Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 75. The crew is here with you, Chaz, as always, and I'm joined by Seth and Richard. Seth, how's it going? Doing well. It's spoiler season. Best it's time spoiler of the year. season. Yep, it's so exciting. Great podcast. It's going to be awesome. Richard, how are you? What's up, guys? It's going to be sweet. Going to be sweet. Uh, White is going to take over standard, but that's okay. We'll hear from Richard and Seth about that, I'm sure, for quite a bit of the podcast. It's basically uh, on the docket, spoilers, and we have a ton of fish mail to take care of, so we will answer that after, but we wanted to take the time to just go over the spoilers. A lot of official cards uh, revealed on the on Wizards ma- uh, main site uh, through videos we got to see new mechanics so we're going to cover a few of the cards that highlight those mechanics and let's just jump right into it so we will read the cards off we'll talk about it we'll discuss uh everything that we usually discuss about spoilers so just hang in there we'll get through it and we'll answer some fish mail at the end and that's pretty much the docket so let's just jump right into spoilers richard all right so today is actually monday the 27th After we recorded our podcast last week, we had a couple more spoilers, so we're going to cover the spoilers from last week, and then we'll get into the new spoilers uh, from today. Sounds good. So, we're going to start off on a down note. Everyone's uh, everyone's werewolf that they're waiting for, Ulrich of the Crawlin' Horde, three green and a red, four four, legendary creature, human werewolf. When this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Ulrich of the Crawlin' Horde, target creature gets plus 4, plus 4 until end of turn. At the beginning of each upkeep, if no spells were cast, transform. The other side is Ulrich, uncontested alpha. Uh, when this card transforms, you may have it fight target non-werewolf creature you don't control. 6-6. Six, six. So, was this the werewolf we were all waiting for? <laughs> oh. Since the first Innistrad, I'll, I'll let you go first, Seth. Uh, technically, yes. I mean, technically, it is a legendary werewolf that you can use as your commander in EDH, so it is horrible, though. Like, it, it's kind oh. of a slap in the face to everyone that's been waiting so long. It doesn't even do anything with werewolves? Like, that's the part that bothers me. It could be <laughs> horrible, and if it did something that impact your other werewolves i would be okay with it i wasn't expecting a good card but i was expecting it to actually work with werewolf tribal in some way because that's why they made the card like the reason they printed this card is because everyone yelled at them about not doing it the first time because they needed it for their werewolf tribal janky commander decks (laughs) and then they print this card that doesn't even have anything to do with werewolves I'm I'm going to be as objective as I can here. Yes, it's it's a legendary werewolf, so you can obviously use it for your EDH tribal werewolf deck, I guess. I think it's a telling sign when uh, this was released that some people w- won't be switching out their Rurik Thar, the Unbowed, over this. So I think that's already like a, a down note on, on Ulrich, but... Just trying to be objective, like I, I do understand, like it's it's kind of like a letdown uh, in the fact that it doesn't interact really with werewolves. It's not really like a werewolf lore. Doesn't make werewolves. Doesn't do anything uh, of that nature. And I think the real big issue was, and I think what everyone was looking for is they wanted this creature. They wanted the the legendary werewolf creature to kind of solve the issue of of flipping and like having their werewolves flip more often 
and uh, not having like kind of having more of a uh, control over that rather than the opponent. And we got that with a rare from Shadows of Innistrad and not really anything from the legendary werewolf. So there's that issue. Uh, in terms of it just being a bad card, I don't think it's terrible. I don't think it's really great. They're top level podcast. So uh, Patrick Chapin and uh, Mike Flores were talking about this card, and it, it has its uses. And I, I think people might write it off a little too quickly. I, I just like green cards. I I think it does some green stuff, but I I think it's it was kind of just like what we expected from werewolves already one side just kind of fights and that's kind of uninspiring the other side it does buff a creature kind of opens it up for a two for one and it's not really a great you know four four for five it's not really great so i don't know i i think i'm kind of lukewarm on this but it, i don't think it's terrible per se it's so bad they, they need to mulligan this I, I don't know what they were thinking uh, i don't care about standard uh clearly it's probably not good enough. It's too vanilla for standard. Wolf here, Silverheart was not a card. But for EDH, you, you hinted on it. Flipping werewolves is a big problem in EDH. When you have four players, getting someone to pass their turn, unless you're playing with Seth, who'd rather just loot, you're not <laughs> going to get your werewolves to flip. Right? Yeah. And, you know, the abilities are underwhelming. It, it could have been a pump lord. It could have made wolf tokens. It could have did basically yep. anything. Right? A lot of people would have rather have uh, Mayor of Averbook uh, Gyre Reach Bandit, any of these cards, just make them legendary and make them red-green, and people would be perfectly content. But instead, we got we got Ulrich, who does nothing. He's just a big, beefy body, which in EDH is basically nothing, right? So it's just a slap in the face. I don't know why they did this. Like They, they, they might have all just have held out and waited for the next return to Innistrad, <laughs> because this was not what people were waiting for. So people will continue to run Xenagos and Rurik Thar, uh, in their decks, if they want their decks to be good, uh, you know, you'd have to be pretty hardcore in the flavor to go with this, this card. So, I don't know. This this was a big disappointment, and it was not it was not the way to kick off spoiler season. They should have just shoved this in at the end when they released all the cards, <laughs> <laughs> not the, not as a second spoiler to spoil. Yeah, season. I'll tell oh, you what. Uh, we talked about having like incentives to play certain cards in standard. I'm going to play Arlen Cord with this and just hopefully the 10-10 Haze Vigilance gets there on turn five. I mean, <laughs> it, it would have been so easy to make it better. Like, if you had put Flash on it so you could use mm, the plus yeah. four, plus four as, like, a combat trick of some kind. Uh, if it had Haze so you could ball lightning it, is it a, itself is it 8-8? Like, there's such a feel-bad when you have an empty board and you play this and you have to target it and give it plus four, plus four, and then pass the turn. Like, that just feels horrible. And yeah. how how easy would it have been just to print that instead of saying give target creature plus four, plus four, if it said flip target werewolf? Like, problem solved, everyone's happy, people like the card it's still not very good but it would be that simple like to make yeah. this a card that people liked so i don't know it seems like such a huge miss like and that easy miss it's not like i don't know how you can mess this up it's like so <laughs> easy to make a good legendary <laughs> werewolf <laughs> yeah i think that would have been a, a much more desired ability to flip a werewolf on command with ulrich and and like we talked about i, I talked about just the flip side a little bit, but I wanted to elaborate a little more on that. Like, it's just uninspiring. It flips, it fights. Like, we're so used to that. Like, it could have been, like you said, Seth, literally anything else. You could have just left the fight, and it does something else. Like, add a 
a two-two werewolf or something like that, something similar to Huntmaster. I mean, at this point, we might as well just tacked on Legendary to Huntmaster the Fells. Probably would have been a better Legendary werewolf at this point. But and then we talked about like in standard, Ulrich Contestant Condescent Alpha seems a little better. It's likely going to win more fights. But as Richard said, like if this is being used primarily for Commander. I don't think a six six kills very much in Commander, so you don't even get you don't even get the fight light to go off when it flips. Like, oh, it's it it finally flipped. I get that least like kill something. You're probably not going to kill much, <laughs> so I don't understand. Aside from mechanics fail, total flavor fail, uncontested alpha at a six six, grizzled outcast is a seven seven when it flips. <laughs> yeah. Like the common werewolf, like can't even yeah. fight the common werewolf. Like. He- they should have just made him like a ten ten or like a thirteen thirteen, just, just cause, right? Like, look, big vanilla dorky guy, right? But six six can't fight anything. What kind of alpha is this? Well, I guess it's good for Ulrich because he can't fight werewolf creatures anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, now, now we that's got it. why. See, the flavor fail was averted. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, I, I think that's what keeps it out of standard, is it's just so bad in the werewolf mirror. <laughs> that's it, you got, yeah. Uh, how awkward would that be in, in, in draft? The 7-7 seven, seven flips, you can't even deal with it because, it, A, it couldn't have fought it anyway, and B, it couldn't have even killed it even if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, all right, so... General, I'm lukewarm. I'm not saying it's completely terrible. Uh, maybe it's just because my bias for the color, but it's like looks cool at least. Chaz, know. you have to say though, eleven dollars isn't that absurdly expensive? Isn't this like a two or three dollar mythic? I think it was pre-selling for around the seven to eight dollar range, like especially on SCG. But yeah, that's way too much. I, I mean, I don't even know if it'll. I mean, three dollars might even be a lot. I don't. I'm not even liking that. Yeah, it seems like close to a bulk mythic to me, or just above. So, if you want this card, wait another couple months before getting it for your casual deck. Yeah, I mean, foils might still be foils might still be desirable, even if there's not like this overwhelming excitement for the legendary werewolf. At least, I'm assuming at least a few people will play it. So, foils might be desired but i wouldn't yeah i wouldn't touch normal copies at all all right we're going from what i'm calling the worst card in the set <laughs> to the best card ever printed ever thalia <laughs> reticle cathar uh this was leaked somewhere uh in a, in a different language but it's been translated so thalia reticle cathar two in a white legendary creature first strike three two Creatures and non-basic lands your opponent controls enter the battlefield tapped. Yeah, so it was officially spoiled today. It's it is a buy a box promo. We got to see both versions. I'm gonna let you guys talk for well. I guess Richard actually first because is this even is this like legacy viable? Like how far back does this go? Like how many formats is this viable in? You're super excited about this card, so I want you to go first. Yeah, this. Is 100% legacy viable. Uh, the question okay. now becomes, what do you cut out of Death and Taxes? And some people are thinking Mirren Crusader, Sarah Avenger, uh, or even the Rin Wing Mares. But basically, 
it's a double tax. Uh, when you play your fetch land, it enters the battlefield tap, so you lose one mana on that turn. And the next turn, when you fetch your dual land, uh, it also comes into play tap, so you lose a- another turn right there. So you're basically getting double taxed, uh, which is crazy. In addition, uh, it lets you wasteland fetch lands, right? It gives you an opportunity to wasteland them now. You can wasteland their wastelands. And the other ability, creatures come into play tapped, is very powerful in Legacy. It turns off like sneak attack shenanigans. Uh, it turns off elves. All the creatures enter the battlefield tapped, so they can't generate mana anymore. Uh, so it does all kinds of things in Legacy. So it it will definitely cause a bunch of noise, and people will have to play around the card. Uh, I'm more excited about Modern. Uh, this might bring green white hate bears to the forefront. Uh, you know, getting your Shocklands. Uh, tapped and getting your fetch lands tapped is a big deal and combined with the actual Thalia, the, the two mana Thalia, uh, you're just gonna not accomplish anything. So it's gonna be a sad time as players sit there with a grip full of seven cards and they can't cast any cards. And uh, this is old school magic. You're getting stasis locked, but it's the soft lock. <laughs> so have fun everyone. This this is Thalia, the best human like ever ever printed. Well, let me ask you two questions also, Richard. How good is it that, A, the fact that it doesn't legend rule the other Thalia, which is also used, and B, it only affects your opponent, so you're not even receiving the... Which most, like, most hate bears, obviously, most of them affect both of both players. This only affects them, so it even puts them way behind. Yeah, it's, it's not symmetrical, so you... You know, you can collect a company and put your Thalia into play, but when your opponent does it, all of them come into play tapped. Definitely you have the advantage there. Uh, it's also a 3-2. It doesn't die to minus 1, minus 1 effects. Um, the Death and Taxes deck in Legacy pretty much folds to that. Like, everything dies to minus 1, minus 1. Uh, plus, it's legendary. You can Caracas it. You can do all kinds of shenanigans with this card. So I'm actually quite surprised uh, they printed such a powerful card. And in standard, this is going to be a house. A 3-2 first striker is no joke. It'll kill your Sylvan Advocates, right, before they're powered up. Just having a 3-2 creature, like, is actually pretty good first strike. So it's it's just a beating. This is a really strong card, and yep. I expected to see play in all formats. Yep. Uh, before you get into your reaction, Seth, it's pre-selling for seven ninety nine. Does that seem justifiable? Uh, I mean, it takes a lot for a rare to stay in that price range, but I think that it might be justified in this case, just because cards that are, do you remember like Deathrite Shaman and cards like that? Like if you really are a legacy staple and a modern staple, which it sounds like this has a chance of being, then $7.99 is completely sane, even for an imprint rare. Yeah, so, it's also the buy a box promo, so keep that in mind. Yeah, I don't think buy a box promos kill it that much. We've seen right. other like Rabble Supreme Master, Verdict obviously. was a buy a box, Rattle, Rabble Master was a buy a box, and those cards were still five dollars, even way more in some cases during their life in standard. So I don't think that's a ridiculous pre order price, personally. Yeah, I, I think it would. It, it'll likely stay between five to seven, to be honest with you, as. It has so many applications, but let me let me get your reaction to Thalia. Uh, yeah, it's really good. It's it is just so <laughs> punishing. It's a double time walk, as Richard was explaining in Fetchland formats. Like flashing it in with Ether Vial in response to Nahiri Ultimate has to be one of the 
most awesome things you can do in all of magic. Like, I can't wait till that happens and they get their tapped Emrakul and it bounces back to their hand and they lose their Nahiri in the process. And in standard, Imposing Sovereign was a really good staple in mono-white aggressive decks a few years ago. And all that did was have creatures enter the battlefield tapped. You weren't even... Uh, keeping your opponent off their fourth and fifth land to cast a Wrath, for example. And that was a basically a staple in white weenie decks. And it was very strong because you would get ahead on board in the early turns. Your opponent goes to try to stabilize and play their Kalidus to block on turn four. And it comes into play tapped. And then you win the game on that turn. When if you the creature was coming into play untapped, they would have a lifelinking blocker. So I think it's going to be really good in standard. I'm a little disappointed that it's another card that pushes white even further in front of everything else. And last thing, just looking at the standard meta, Richard mentioned Sylvan Advocate, but if you look at the top 10 most played creatures, Thalia either basically stonewalls everyone except Archangel Avacyn, discounting like Tireless Tracker after you sack two or three clues or Hanger Back that you've pumped up for a million turns. But it really... It's just really good. The ability is relevant, and it's just super relevant in combat, stopping basically every top creature in standard. Yeah. Let's have it, Seth. Come on. I know you want to say humans is insane. Don't play any deck besides humans. White's the best color in standard yet again. Don't don't even try to play anything else. <laughs> I, because it, that's just kind of like the motif of this cast. I mean, a couple weeks ago I said, well, the good news is that white really can't get any better. Like, it's already so far above the curve. No matter what they print, they're not really going to improve, like, humans and green-white tokens very much. And I was extremely wrong. Uh, white got a, Not only did they get Thalia, which is absurd, but they also got a Baneslayer Angel, which we haven't talked about yet. Like, it just keeps getting worse for anyone who likes any color except white. Yeah. I, I really shouldn't have said that white needed to get better over the last few years. I, I think that was probably too much. Uh, Richard, you you know, Richard, you and Seth both covered it. Thalia is amazing. I, yeah, I, I agree with you, Seth. I didn't think humans would get that <laughs> many more tools. And yet here we are, we're talking about Thalia. And, and even if, let's just like take humans out of the equation. I mean, this is still just a great card in and of itself. It's you don't even have to like use humans around this card to make it good. And we're going to talk about Giselle in a second, but you're now going to be you could just play like white good stuff, like generic white good cards that are good and you could just curve Thalia into Gisela, into Avison into uh Linvala if you really wanted to. I mean at that point it's just insane. I mean, the card just does a lot on its own. It doesn't even really need to be built around. It's just a standalone great card. And the, historically, those are just have been role players or format defining cards in multiple occasions. So and yeah, Thalia is just insane. Uh, yeah, I, there's you guys kind of just covered everything. And we didn't even mention that it's three mana, so it gets hit by Collected Company. And it's yeah, got to be great in Collected Company mirrors. Like, being yeah. the first one to have Thalia and making your opponent's creatures from Collected Company playing to come into play tapped is going to win a lot of games. So it just it slots into, like, every one of the best decks yep. in Standard, essentially. Plus Collected Company, yeah. It, it's insane. It, my friend, every time something like this happens, it's so funny. I talked to a few people a long time. 
Magic players, and they're like, are they just trying to make like the company like a fifty dollar card? Like, what what is going on? Like, why do they make so many good cards at three or under? like three or under creatures that just get hit by collected company. It's like insane. Uh, I just, I have no idea. Maybe at some point collected company has to get banned. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, we saw like even a nerfed, essentially what this like collected company was, is a nerfed birthing pod. And that's even like out of control. So uh, it's getting out of control with all these creatures. I have no idea. It's like fact or fiction. The next version will let your opponent choose the creatures. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> I, like as is, it's too. It's too good. It's it's basically birthing pod, and I, I yeah. think you're onto something where they're you're basically going to stifle what cards you can print at three or less because of collected company. So I don't think they're going to keep it around. Uh, in standard anymore, and they do the factor fiction thing where they let your opponent choose uh, if they were to try to put it back in standard in the future. Yeah, or even again, modern. I mean, it, because modern, it's starting to become such a solidified archetype in that format as well. Uh, there, there are other, there's a kind of a plethora of archetypes to choose from, but Collective Company is still really strong, de- definitely takes down tournaments. There's a lot of ver- variations of it, a lot of them are strong, and Again, it just it's going to get to a point, like you said, Richard, where they're stifling creatures at the cost of collected company just being around. And uh, we've talked about cards getting axed because of that design space uh, dilemma. And th- it's just getting to a point where there's just going to be so many good creatures that if it's not a for- the the deck to be in the format, it's it's just going to be just by pure sheer amount of value creatures they print over the course of the next few years at three or less i'm not that worried about it in modern personally like i think it's good but modern has a lot more answers and as someone who's played some collected company in modern you do whiff on occasion and it's really hard to whiff with birthing pod like there's definitely some percentage of games you cast a collected company hit one one drop or something, a Birds of Paradise, and you kind of just lose the game, when if you had cast anything else, you probably would be in the game at least and maybe have won. So I think that natural variance makes yeah. it a little more fair. Like, there is some sort of risk to it, when with Birthing Pod, you were not only always getting a creature, but you had to get the best creature for any given situation, since you could tutor from your deck. Right. I guess where I was getting at is, I do understand that there there is kind of like that variance involved, but we're getting to a point where they're printing creatures that are replacing creatures in the deck. If that makes sense, like the the creatures already in the deck are at some point going to get replaced by better creatures. So at some point, even if you nail only one, obviously if you hit two, you're just getting so much value at instant speed that I mean, how do you deal with that at this some bell. point? I guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so now the big reveal of the set we now have flip half cards the mechanic is meld if you control two cards uh you can flip them and the first card or the most exciting card that we want to talk about is Gisela and bruna combined into brizella such such creativity <laughs> voice of nightmares fusion ha so let's start with Gisela the Broken Blade. Two white white, four three, legendary creature, angel horror. Flying, first strike, lifelink. 
At the beginning of your end step, if you both own and control Gisela the Broken Blade and a creature named Bruna the Fading Light, exile them, then meld them into Brazilla, Voice of Nightmares. So that's flip card one. Uh, the second half of this combo. Bruna the Fading Light, 5 white white, 5 7, legendary creature, angel horror. When you cast Bruna the Fading Light, you may return target angel or human creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Flying Vigilance. Uh, so those are the two uh, normal cards. They're, they're normal cards, and they both flip and meld into Brazilla, Voice of Nightmares, 9-10, Legendary Creature, Eldrazi Angel, Flying, First Strike, Vigilance, Lifelink. Your opponent can't cast spells with converted mana costs, three or less. What do you guys think? I guess it's been a few years since they printed Baneslayer Angel, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't know what to say. I, Gisela, so let's break it down. Let's just break meld down because we, we got a few meld cards today and we're going to touch on two of them. So we saw the Chittering Raz, which you can see on your own, but we're going to talk about Hamware, Garrison, and the other one uh, in a few moments. But meld to me, and I understand people are a little taken back because it's kind of at first glance, it's card disadvantage to have two creatures get exiled and then they turn into one creature. And that makes sense because now it's easier to deal with. But if you look at each card individually, first the individual cards are standalone good. Gisela is amazing. I, I really, there's really not much more to say other than it's a mini Bane Slayer <laughs> for four. And I highly expect it to be seen play in standard at least. And Bruna is pretty, you know, Bruna's not bad on its own also. But then you have Brisella, and I can understand why people, again, are taken back by the, the card disadvantage. But what, what really deals with Brisella? You're getting a such a resilient creature that almost it takes – you really can't kill it in standard. You can't reflect your mage except you collect a company. You can't stasis snare. You can't deck and stone. You can't do anything. And you have a 9-10, which is not going to get killed in combat – and is going to end the game insanely quickly. So I don't know if it's worth it to meld them. Uh, obviously, it would be cool. But, I mean, I would just be playing Gisela standalone. That's just a great card on its own. But I think the meld is just gravy. And if you look at it from that standpoint as, well, meld is just kind of like an added-on bonus that you can sometimes do, I think it becomes a little more, a little better in that sense. Oh. <laughs> Um, I can't imagine the meld aspect being that relevant in constructed. Right. I just, I have a hard time picturing that. All right. So you got Bruna, which I don't think is very good. Like it's fine, but it's a seven mana five, seven. It's not the kind of thing you normally put in a constructed deck. Right. Gisela is obviously awesome. And very strong and constructed playable. It feels like to me that if you're playing Gisela, you're not necessarily going to run Bruna in your deck just because you can meld it. You're probably just going to win by beating down with the mini Baneslayer Angel and use the Bruna slot on some actual good playable card. Like, I just, it seems win more to me, I guess. Like, it's cool and I like the flavor of it, but. I can't imagine competitive decks or many of them really trying to meld things together. It seems like uh, you're playing bad cards to make 
good cards slightly better? Like, I don't know. I guess that's that's my take, is it feels like it's kind of win more, yeah. and I think it'll be popular in casual play, because it's really cool to, like, flip around into this big monster, and I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on the financial ramifications. Like, is there going to be... Is Bruna going to be more expensive than her card would suggest because casual players are going to need to pick them up to play the combo with Gisela? To be honest, I, I really have no idea. I I, I don't know. I, I, I can understand foils because I don't know how exactly how they're going to look. So if you kind of look, there's like an, a, a sort of a divide between the two cards and one, I guess, one part of the cards on one back end of the card that one card's on the other end. So that, that could... That could potentially be a thing just because a, foil, a flip card foils are nice already. B, that's how you construct a foil melded card is you have to get the foil versions of both the cards. So I think that will be definitely a thing in terms of the financial sense. I don't know if Bruna goes up X amount of dollars just because it's part of the Brissella meld. Wait, the, the part one part of two, one part of two of that. I don't know if that really is going to increase its value that much, but I mean, it's possible. I really don't know. It's kind of a a new thing that it, I, no one's ever seen before. So there could be some ramifications. I'm guessing the foil end will definitely have more of a an impact rather than just normal regular copies. But I want to hear your your take on all this, Richard, on on Meld and on uh, Bruna and Gisela in particular. Yeah, as a competitive thing, you probably won't meld. It's it's kind right. of like a werewolf. Like, very rarely will you just pass your turn to flip your own werewolf. But sometimes your opponent does nothing and it gets to flip. Uh, so sometimes there will be the situation where you need to meld your cards and go. Uh, but most of the time, you're just going to play Gisela and call it a day. Uh, I think you guys are underestimating the casual appeal of Bruna. Bruna's actually really good. 7 mana, 5, 7 flying vigilance. And the ability is actually... A cast trigger, right? So it doesn't matter if it gets counterspelled, you're getting an angel or a human back, right? And in EDH, you can get an angel serenity or something. Like, you can get some pretty crazy angels. Uh, so I, I think Bruna will actually hold uh, her weight here. Uh, Gisela is the spike card, obviously insane. But in EDH, that's just like, okay. It's like a 4 3 flying first strike life. Like, nothing special. But Bruna is actually the stronger card in EDH, I feel. So, and the art is amazing. Uh, I want foil versions. I want to see foil Brizella. I want to foil Gisela. <laughs> I want to foil Bruna. So I think these cards will actually be quite expensive because A, they're angels. B, they're angel horrors for some reason. C, they're Aldrazi angels as well. <laughs> the art is amazing. And right. everyone loves angels, right? And th- these cards are actually really good. So this will be insane. Uh, Gisela uh, will be paired up with uh, Avacyn, Declaration, and Stone. Thalia in standard, and we're gonna have some white overlords, but uh, it's a crazy card, and I'm glad they use this to showcase their uh, their meld mechanic, because otherwise it's it's kind of underwhelming. Like you said, you're gonna two for one yourself if your opponent somehow has, I don't know what's the five mana murder, <laughs> right? If they have one of those like janky <laughs> removal spells, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't have indestructibility or hexproof or anything, right? They, they can just two-for-one you straight up, so you're not going to just willy-nilly transform your creatures, uh, but, you know, I, I will do it anyway, flavor, flavor win, you know, get the Brazella on the board, flip, show your opponent, look, <laughs> look, look at my flip cards, marvel at them, and then watch them bounce them. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Silent departure. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> now this one in particular, Giselle and Bruna, you really don't have a control on the flip. So when you have them both, you don't get a choice. They they will flip into Brisella. And yeah, I mean, Richard, you nailed everything. And that's why I said, I mean, Bruna on her own is still really good. It's it's a really good card on its own, especially for EDH. And I, I do understand, Seth. That's kind of where I was going with Meld. But in a constructed sense, I do fully agree with you. I don't know if Meld is going to be a thing that you're going to be attempting all that often. Especially with Bruna and Gisela, I, I obviously think you're just going to be playing Gisela in a constructed, viable setting. Maybe that changes with the upcoming two meld cards, so let's talk about that. Wait, wait, I got it, guys. So what you're going to do is you're going to build Reanimator, because there's no way you're going to cast Bruna. Ever after, get both halves back, combined, boom. <laughs> Solved it. Yeah. Hey, hey, go get that your was- Ever Afters right now. Well... I guess since you made the Ever After deck, uh, Seth, you, you, you played around with Ever After. How how much better would it have been if you had the Gisela-Bruna combo to reanimate Ever After into Brisella? So let's actually, I, that, that could, let's just say that is an avenue that people can take. I, I think that is worse than just getting Dragonlord Colgan and Dragonlord Atarka because you <laughs> kill their best thing and swing for like 15 immediately. This, okay. you get an unhasty Brisella that can die to something your opponent has on their turn. So I'm not sure that that's actually better than Dragonlord Colgan and Dragonlord Atarka if you're going to reanimate two things at once. But Menace. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even have Menace. Oh, uh, oh man. It's cool, though. I mean, it's a flavor win. Yeah, for sure. You guys are also missing the synergies, right? You play Gisela... It dies. You cast Bruna, Ooh. reanimating Gisela, and you flip it that turn. Yeah. Right? So it's a 7 mana, 9 10, flying first strike, vigilance, lifelink, reverse. Uh, uh, what, what is the. What, what, <laughs> what is the. Uh, what's the commander, the angel commander? Is that uh, Kali of the Vast? Yeah, you can't. You yeah. don't get the trigger because this is a cast. Oh. That's, that's unfortunate. I, I think I'm yeah. skeptical in standard just because Amiria Shepard is a seven mana angel that reanimates things and it hasn't seen any play really. So that's why I'm skeptical of Bruna and standard, but it doesn't do exactly what Richard said. That's like really insane. It doesn't meld. (laughs) (laughs) That's that is true. It is lacking in the meld department. (laughs) So, so who will be the first person to have a foil Gisela, but a non foil Bruna and then meld them into a half foil card. (laughs) Oh, Oh, That would be awful. Ah, I think it might be you, Richard. Yeah, yeah, just a tilt. Just a tilt. Like, sorry, nope. I even have the foil of the mythic, but not the foil of the rare. <laughs> All right, so here's a card you might actually want to meld. Here, here's another meld card. Uh, we received the back of it, Hand we were the Riding Township, last week. But we received the, the two front faces. And now we know why they didn't reveal the front faces. Uh, but we have Hand we Garrison, Tuna Red. It's a 2-3 human soldier. Uh, when it attacks, put two one-one red human creatures, uh, human token creatures, into the battlefield tapped and attacking. Uh, that's one card. The second card is Handweird Battlements. It's a land. Uh, tap it to add a colorless mana. Pay one red, tap it. Target creature gains haste. Pay three and two red, tap it. If you 
both own and control Handweir battlements and a creature named Handweir Garrison, exile and meld them into Handweir the Writhing Township. And Handweir the Writhing Township is a 7-4 Aldrazi Ooze, Trample Haste, uh, when it attacks, put two 3-2 three, two colorless Aldrazi Horror creature tokens under the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Yeah, so I think Richard's right here, and this is definitely a card you would want to meld. And not only would you want to meld it, you get the control that you don't have with Giselle and Bruna to meld it with the with the battlements. It's obviously uh, an ability on the on the battlements that you can control a little easier to kind of negate or play around removal in that sense. But ah. Uh, I really like this. I think this is successful all the way around in terms of meld being a little bit more than just uh, some casual thing that you can do. Handwear Garrison, Handwear Battlements are both viable in their own right as two individual cards. And then the Writhing Township is just brutal. I mean, if you were to meld that in, in any kind of sort of standard setting... At the right time, I mean, that's almost just game over right there. You get to keep the 2-3-2 two, two, uh, Carlos uh, Eldrazi Horrors. They don't go away. It has haste, so you don't have to worry about another turn of your opponent trying to find some kind of answer for this. And it's just brutal. I mean, it, it's really good all around. Handwear Garrison, I, I, I don't even know, could just be generically good on its own in some sort of red aggressive list white red humans i don't think it's going to supplant thalia but uh could be played alongside of it as like a one of or something like that or people have been talking about modern i mean champion of the Paris just won the publisher's clearinghouse i think with handwork garrison this seems mighty scary champion of the parish into lightning mauler into handwork garrison is like what, 14 damage on turn 3? Something like that? Something crazy like that? 13 damage? So, it's getting there. I, I really like this one all around. And uh, Richard, you were talking before we started recording about lands. how many lands actually give haste like on their own. Not many, so this is kind of this is kind of new. Uh, we don't see this too often. Handware Battlements could just be some random land in a, in a deck that can give a larger threat haste on just just randomly so that's good too yeah i really like that the front halves of the cards are both good like you said but they also synergize pretty well together yeah. like i could see wanting to have handwear battlements and handwear garrison in the same deck even if there wasn't a chance of melding because you can give the garrison haste get in for four right away get some tokens it kind of turns it into uh Oh, not Hero of Bladehold, the Red Hero of Bladehold. I can't think of the name Hero of it of right Oxygen? now. Hero, Hero of Oxygen Ridge, yeah. It kind of almost turns it into something like that. Not quite as good because it doesn't have the creatures, whatever, can't block. I probably should have looked up that card before talking about it. <laughs> no, it's definitely uh, Hero of Bladehold. I remember bits and pieces of Hero of Oxygen Ridge, but... <laughs> it has Battle Cry and I think one power creatures can't block. What yeah, it? can't block. One or less, something like that. All right, but regardless, they're actually good together on the front half. The back half is super powerful. I like that it hits for 13 damage, which is kind of one of the themes of the set, uh, counting the tokens, of course. The only thing I don't like is you do get a little bit of risk with how you flip into Handweir the Writhing Township, because you got to pay five, and then there is a window there where if your opponent 
uh, lightning bolts your Hanweir Garrison, it fizzles the transformability, and you basically just time walk yourself. I don't think that's a deal breaker, but you are going to want to be careful because you can get blown out trying to activate and flipping around uh, when you pay that five mana. Yeah, this card is insane. Hanweir Garrison reminds me of some weird Goblin Rabble Master Hero of Bladehold mix. Uh, it's a three mana two three that makes uh, two one ones when it attacks. So it's four power if you attack with it, and it keeps growing. Right, if you attack again, right, that's going to be six power on the next attack, and you have four one ones, right. So you don't even need a transfer. You just sit there with the hammer garrison and go to town, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like if if I'm going to use Sylvan Advocate again as a 2-3. It can't kill the Hanweir Garrison, right? So you can just keep attacking into it and keep making 1-1 one, one tokens. Uh, and uh, like you guys mentioned, if you transform this thing, that's 13 power uh, that's being generated just out of nowhere. I, I don't know. These cards just seem so powerful now. Uh, I, I, I would just play them. Like I, I don't even care about transforming them. I would just play them and here's your Goblin Rattlemaster for the set. Just Just go to town and make some tokens. And like you said, Champion of the Parish gets crazy. Uh, you want to talk about Thalia's Lieutenant? If you want to go with oh, uh, yeah. Cuban decks, oh, like oh, oh let me let me let me oh, make gosh. some tokens. Thalia's Lieutenant, ever always watching, and like here you go, have fun, <laughs> right? So, think things can get out of hand quite quickly. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, I mean, even Handware Battlements is just some random utility card that's that's just pretty good. You get a you get a mana, a colorless mana. But at the same time, it has an ability. could give something haste that could be viable on its own. So, yeah, I mean, you really summed that up great, Richard. It's the Both both cards are viable. The flip is pretty good. If you do run into the issue, like said Seth or like Seth said, uh, in terms of removal. But, again, this is kind of why it's a lot better in this sense with uh, these two melding that you get to you get to control it a little bit with the, the handware battlement ability. So I really like this one all around, and yeah, the garrison's just great. I love the garrison. All right, so let's talk about some of the new mechanics. So we've seen Meld. Uh, we have a new mechanic Emerge. So this came to us on a 7-mana 3-4 flying Wretched Griff. It's an Eldrazi Hippogriff, interestingly. Uh, it has Emerge uh, 5 and a blue. So when you cast this spell... Uh, you may, or sorry, you may cast a spell by sacrificing a creature and paying the emerge cost reduced by that creature's converted mana cost. So when you cast Wretched Griff, draw a card, and it has flying. So basically, you get to sacrifice a creature, use that converted mana cost towards this alternate casting cost, which is the emerge cost. Not confusing at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it is kind of confusing. It's like a revert, like weird warped version of Force of Will. <laughs> it's a uh, like in some way. It's like the offering cycle. Do you remember? Yeah, those it's like an offering. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's exactly like the offering cycle. So we've only seen one emerge card, but I I kind of like that. I honestly I think this I think this mechanic is pretty cool. Yeah, you do lose a creature that kind of stinks, but. If any of the merge, if any of the emerge cards have flash, that would be interesting. You can kind of save it, use it for the offering if it was going to die anyway, and then you have a brand new creature. But I mean, the, the fact that you do have to sacrifice a creature is a little awkward. It is a sacrifice outlet, so that that is interesting. But I think it's overall okay. It's nothing amazing. 
But I would like to see more cards with Emerge before I give like a final verdict on it. Yeah, I don't think the card they previewed it with is all that good or playable right, outside right, yeah, of yeah. Limited, but it could be good. Flash would be interesting, and there could also just be some good creatures to sack, things that um, they come into play itself and then make some tokens, but the converted mana cost on the original card is relatively high. Like, that would be good... I'm trying to think. There's one of Eldrazi's makes like, like two a, or three like scions. a brood, mon- a brood monitor. Uh, yeah, something along uh, those I lines. I think that's what it was called. I forget what it's called now. And there's like a four drop one as well that makes a couple uh, yeah. scion tokens, yep. but it's only a one one itself. So if you can sack stuff like that, it's actually pretty sweet because you're still getting value from the sacrifice card and getting your emerge card cheaper. But it's all going to depend on an actual, like, good playable Emerge card being printed, which Wretched Griff is not that for Constructed. <laughs> right. I mean, this card's not that bad. Not standard playable, but you do draw a card, right? You, you do get to draw a card when you cast this, and it's when you cast, not when it enters the battlefield. So you get to recycle the card, but I'm just super excited about this mechanic for the flavor. Uh, they, so they, they also have Dawn Griff, which is a three-mana 2-2 flyer, whatever. It's a Hippogriff. But I'm picturing basically, like, aliens... Like, this Aljazi thing pops out of its chest and just, like, explodes out. And now you have Wretched Griff, right? And here you go. Yeah. Right? It's a 3-4 flying now. So, flavor-wise, super, super exciting. Uh, the, the alien mechanic here, Emerge, is awesome. And I'm, I'm curious what else we'll see. Are we going to see a Wretched Thalia? How, how crazy would that be? Wretched Hanbury Garrison? Probably not. Not two mechanics on the same card, right? But basically, anything you've seen in Shadows Over Innistrad is game for getting an emerged version. So I'm, I'm curious as to which cross-set flavor uh, synergies are going to have. Basically, corrupted things. This is, this is what we're talking about, right? Stuff on Innistrad getting corrupted by, by Eldrazi. So the new cards will all have emerged, yep. and there'll be Eldrazi blank whatever their former creature type was yep exactly how we talked about it. yeah ex- the, great point richard wretched snapcaster mage <laughs> that would be sweet that'd be your flash that'd be your flash emerge creature <laughs> uh, it definitely would <laughs> that definitely covers that yeah, I, yeah, I, we. I think we need to see a, a few more emerge cards. Like Seth said, this isn't the greatest showcase, but I do agree with Richard. It's really cool. I do like it, and I, I would like to see more before I, I give a really final verdict. But I do like it. I, I do like it. How do you feel about this weird devoid thing, where it's a seven to cast colorless card, but emerge is five in a blue? But it's a colorless. Yeah, card. and no, de- and no devoid. So it's not it, interesting. It's not devoid because it actually is colorless. But it, it feels like some play on devoid here, where it's a colorless card with colored symbols on it. Right. I think that's cool. And and, and like we said last cast, I really can stomach this much better than if this was just some seven mana generic devoid Eldrazi creature without emerge. Right. <laughs> like this is not. That's not what we wanted to see. This is. A much much better and more interesting, honestly, take on these Eldrazi creatures, and I think the alien comparison was very apt, right on point. Where you have these Eldrazi's like busting out of like uh, some other living being, and uh, I think that's cool. It 
it does kind of hurt the card for Commander, just because you'll only be able to play in blue decks. I mean, not that you'd right. probably play Retrogriff anyway, but if all the costs for a merger <laughs> colored, it's going to take and restrict the number of decks you could play it in in Commander. But I think they had to do it that way, my guess would be, because they were possibly worried about people looping them. Like, if you didn't have any colored mana there, you could just uh, play one, sack one to the next one, draw another card, sack that one to the next one, draw another card, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe that was a concern that uh, we don't know the rest of the cards yet, but maybe there was something that would be broken if you could just kind of food chain your way through your deck with right. these emerge cards. Hey, th- this Don Griff is the Griff from Griff's Boon, right? I think it's like they're all generically good Griffs. Like they're all Griffs. I think it's the same one. How many how many Griffs were there on Shadows on, on Innistrad? I'm very sad. Yeah, I don't know the, the exact number. It's like Bambi here, man. It was he was our friend <laughs> powering mono white humans, and now now it's now it's in It's gone. Oh. oh, I hate it when characters die. For shame. Uh, next mechanic we have blessed alliance. It comes with the new mechanic, uh, escalate. So this is a a modal card. So two sorry one and a white. So two converted mana cost instant escalate two. Uh, so pay this cost for each mode chosen beyond the first. Uh, so choose one or more. Target cre- target player gains four life. Untap up to two target creatures. Target opponent sacrifices an attacking creature. So some kind of charm where you can kicker it. Yep, sort of like multi kicker. I, I do. I think it's a little different. I, I like it. I think it's fine. Uh, no no complaints for me. Definitely, uh, Bless Alliance uh, for sure gets around all those giant Eldrazi's that have protection from everything. So that's good. Yeah, I think that these mechanics are usually, they come up a lot, but they're usually among the most constructed playable because yeah. you can cost the the normal cost of the card competitively and then the ability to pay two or four extra mana in the late game to just randomly gain some life or whatever, untap a couple creatures, like get some fringe value from it. So I don't know about this one in specific. I think it's fine. Like paying four to get rid of a creature and gain four life could be a thing, but I expect we'll see constructed playable escalate cards at some point in the set. Yeah, absolutely. And this one's not bad by by any stretch, but yeah, I think Escalate's fine. No no complaints here. I wish there was a blue mythic that was basically cryptic command. <laughs> blue blue <laughs> counter target spell. <laughs> Draw a card. <laughs> Bounce a creature, Escalate 2. I I I would pay 6 for a cryptic command. Yes, I would. That's also a counter spell that hasn't been printed in years. <laughs> 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 oh, that would be so good. We we need we need blue to become good again. This is these these creature formats are out of control. <laughs> I think they would have to make it base cancel if that was uh a thing. I don't think they would do uh even with escalate, I don't think they would do uh two and then escalate into more. But I, I think you're on to something. That would be cool. They're not gonna reprint counterspell, but no. <laughs> it'll be counts it'll be cancelled, but one can win. Oh, I I think that would still be pretty good, especially for standard. Yeah, it might be five, seven, nine. Is there four <laughs> on cryptic? Yeah, there's four. Oh, <laughs> but 
I would uh, pay nine mana for cryptic and standard. Yeah, probably. Well, cryptics only choose two, right? Cryptics only choose two. You can't choose them all. Right. So for cryptic, you would still you'd be paying five rather than four. So that, I think that's still definitely fine. That's too good. <laughs> that's probably too good. It would probably be blue, blue, blue. I bet for its actual mana cost. Which would yeah. make it worse than cancel and the other counter spells and make it really hard for most decks to play. That might make it fair. Yeah. Interesting. I think that would be cool. Good job, Richard. All the blue symbols. Blue, blue, blue. Escalate, blue, <laughs> Escalate blue. Escalate is blue. <laughs> <Double> blue. Yeah. <laughs> and start buying up your engulf the shores. And then it has the void. <laughs> because that's the only way you're playing this card. I think that I think we hit every one of the the ones we wanted to talk about, right? Yep. Yeah, so there's more spoilers out there, uh, a ton of stuff coming in from today. Obviously, we're going to have a whole next two weeks full of spoilers. We'll have more next week to talk about. We'll likely highlight some from this week into next week. So, yeah, just stay tuned. And I'm really liking I'm really liking the set so far. I, I, I can't stress that enough. It's really interesting, flavorful. It has everything. Really powerful cards. So... I think this uh, two-set block already is getting an A-plus from me, and I haven't even seen most of Eldritch Moon, but I'm already ready to throw out this two-set block, the Innistrad block, as an A-plus. Yeah, I feel they're ramping up the power in this set because all of these cards just seem mind-boggling to me. If you showed someone these cards that played Magic 10 years ago, they're like, what? (laughs) Like, Why do these cards do so much? Uh, all of these cards are just so powerful, so I'm actually quite excited to see what the new standard will look like. Uh, Gisela, oh, Gisela's just so good. And, <laughs> and the art is like amazing, and it's going to look so sweet in foil. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a really interesting point, Richard. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like The power level is insane, but I mean, if you were to show some, even us like 10 years ago, like, hey, this is a creature like 10 years from now, Gisela... And even at face value, that's insane. And you're like, here, look, it even flips into something else when you have another creature. I think like our heads would explode. Like, it's just really insane. Speaking of things that would explode, what are the odds that this actually works on Moto? <laughs> so <laughs> like this, this flip combined card? Like I, I don't see this happening. <laughs> like you have to use two cards at once. Well, yeah. Seth, Seth, you 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 tweet out a few interesting pictures of like planeswalkers with different colors and like <laughs> different pictures. So some of these you'll just fuse them and you'll get like actually just the original Emrakul. <laughs> like, <laughs> randomly, you'll just get random creatures. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I I don't know. I'm not too hopeful about Magic Online implementing this. So. Uh, I guess we'll see. Maybe it'll work. Uh, one of these times. They're going to put out a new set with a cool new mechanic, and it's actually going to work, and everyone's going to be super happy. It hasn't happened yet, but one of these days, Magic Online. So, yeah, really excited. And uh, so what's what's your favorite card spoiled thus far? So, Seth, yours is Ulrich. All right, we got yours. So, <laughs> <laughs> Richard, what's yours? Thalia. Thalia's Thalia, been yeah. my favorite character from Innistrad since the original Innistrad. The original Thalia is awesome. The art is awesome. The recent uh, promo art of Thalia is awesome. This new art's awesome. Thalia's awesome. Everyone should play and Thalia. And the Biobox promo the, of the new one is awesome. So. Yeah, yeah, all of it, all of it is awesome. Someone, yeah. someone <laughs> at Wizards really likes Thalia, and I like that person. <laughs> <laughs> like, thanks. They're like, we need more art. We need more art of Thalia. 
Like, this girl's been everywhere. She has, like, five versions of art or something. Like, crazy. Yeah. Seth, no, but for real, not not Ulrich. Uh, <laughs> the, the, so far, I'm sticking with Emrakul. Yeah, Emrakul's really sweet. I think it's a tie between Emrakul and Gisela. Gisela's just in, insane. I, I don't want to play against this card. Definitely want to play with it, but don't want to play against it. Yeah, so we have some fish mail, so... Let's tackle some fish mail. So to give you a little break, Richard, because you were reading everything, <laughs> I will uh, read a few of these so you don't have to. Okay, at Obsessive Search, pulled an Arlen cord in a cracker pack. Should I trade her quick or wait for Ma- uh, Eldritch Moon? Eh, I don't think there's any big huh. rush at this point, so you're probably yeah. fine for holding it. If anything, she could get better at one of the next few set releases and be worth more. Ulrich. Yeah, the the 10 damage <laughs> hasty vigilance is going to be a thing, Seth. So Actually, no, it, yeah. It is sweet with uh with Emrakul. Yes, it is sweet Being with able Emrakul. to attack a right 15, away. 15. Yeah. It it yeah. could it could find a place. It still sees fringe play every now and then. I see decklists that play a copy or two. So I don't know. It's already lost so much value from three right. down to twelve, and right now it's kind of evened out. So I wouldn't be worried about it crashing much more right away. And you could get lucky and have it shoot up a few dollars uh, either at Eldrick Moon or this fall with Kaladesh. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I wouldn't be in a huge rush to sell. I, you might as well just keep it at this point. Okay, so at Geek. No evil. Our from the vault. Okay, so our from the vault sets a good long-term investment. Should they remain sealed? I think so. I, I think you randomly sometimes have cards in these from the vault sets that spike to obscene numbers, like uh, uh, Grove of the Burnwalls, was it? At some point, rather recently, a few months ago, something like that, right, Seth? Yeah. So sometimes you randomly hit the lottery with that, and. I would, yes, I would suggest they remain sealed if you're going to buy them purely to stash them away and have as an investment. Yeah, I think you might as well leave them sealed. I would have to do some research to know, like, how good of an investment they really right. are. And I, and I think a lot of it depends on what you pay. Like, cause yes. that's, you're unlikely to get them at MSRP. So what are you paying to begin with if you're paying $150? Uh, it's a lot different than if you're paying $70. So uh, I guess that comes into play, too, how much you're getting them for. Yeah, and, and to piggyback off that, not, not only what you're paying for them, but a lot of them have already increased quite a bit, so I don't know how much room there is for these to grow much further. And with these uh, anthologies coming out, you're likely to get burned on them because they could likely do an anthologies from from the vault sets at some point you don't really know so yeah i think the the main thing is is what you're really buying them for i think that's if 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 it's as close to msrp as you can then obviously that's better but i think i agree with you seth on that one uh at josh pig with all of Saffron Olive's community contributions, a PT special invite seems realistic. Would he go? <laughs> so, Seth, uh, would you go? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know if I agree that's that realistic. I don't think they hand out too many random invites to Pro Tours, but I guess if it happened, I would probably do it. Yeah, uh, so uh, we'll move on. At B 
Watchder 70. So it's not really B Watcher, it's B Watchder 70. Do you think that two block sets will hurt keyword development? Case in point, investigate is now only in one set. Uh, maybe. I think that for me, the bigger thing is I worry that it's going to keep some mechanics from really getting a chance to see plane constructed. There's definitely a big difference between yeah. a mechanic being in three sets and it being in one set. So, But I think it depends. Some mechanics are carried over and it depends on how much of that mechanic they put in the set. If they want Investigate to have a archetype, they could have brought it back in Eldrick Moon and put it on 50 different cards and made sure that that was a constructed archetype. So I think you got to dig through and know what mechanics are there for limited and which ones actually have a chance of being constructed worthy because I don't think Wizards views every mechanic as something that should be in constructed or they are designing to be in constructed. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think it, I don't think it really hurts the keyword development uh, in terms of investigate, uh, the, to use the example, investigate only being in one set. We've seen Madness carry over already. I, I think I've saw Madness spoiler card in Eldritch Moon. So there likely could be an investigate card. So they can carry over these things if they'd like. Uh, so I don't know if it really hurts development because. They can carry them over. We don't get as much, obviously, with a three-set block, like you said, Seth, but I don't really think it hurts it that bad. Yeah, I think they want this to happen, right? They, they don't want to keep reusing the same mechanics. They want it to move along, which is why they changed this new cadence. So I think this is part of the reason why they did that. And even when we had the three-block system, the the mechanics didn't... Uh, they weren't present in all three sets, uh, they usually had different mechanics for each each part of the block, so I don't know that anything has changed. Uh, but I'm just gonna trust Wizards here. They they decided to shift everything for this cadence, and my guess is development had a had a say in this, and they want uh, the mechanics to rotate quickly. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Richard. And uh, it's, uh, to kind of stem on that too, the, not only in the three set cadence did they not carry out through all three, but it seems like obviously it's still a small sample size but at least in shadows over Innistrad, the two set like the two sets the mechanics seem a lot strong a lot stronger than we've normally seen in the past where you get to this kind of third set and it's kind of they just drop the ball with these mechanics and they're really lackluster i think what was the last set of ravnica was so gate crash was the middle what dragon's maze Dragon's Maze, and yeah, can you even remember what the mechanics were in Dragon's Maze? Yeah, and we've also had the opposite problem, too, where a mechanic like Devoid is just way too good, and having right. a really strong mechanic show up for three sets leads to some really bad standards, potentially, where it's mono-black devotion versus mono-blue devotion for 18 months in a row, and everyone is having a miserable time, except for Owen Turnwald, because he wins every event with Mono Black Devotion. But everyone other than Owen <laughs> Turnwald is hating life in, in that standard. Yeah. Yeah. So, great points. Uh, this is a longer one, Alex M. I wanted to ask you a question about something I have never been quite able to nail down. Since I have started Magic, I have never had an ability to build any kind of constructed deck from the ground up. However, in formats like Draft and Sealed, I do just fine to make decks. But also... But I also think this is because I have more have I have a more limited pool to make decks. But I also uh, as of right now for constructed formats, I usually just pick a deck from your meta list, free plug. 
then change it and modify it to to my specific liking. Uh, what would you suggest question? to do for uh, for someone who is looking to develop the skill of deck building, and then how would you suggest sharpening that skill? Interesting. Well, sharpening the skill is just a matter of doing it, I guess. The more time you spend brewing and building decks, the more natural it will become and the better you'll get at it. So I think that answer is fairly easy. As far as getting started and kind of learning how to do it, I would intentionally limit yourself as far as the card pool you're working with to make it more like building a draft deck or a sealed deck because it is very easy to get overwhelmed. I've been brewing decks for a while, and I know when I started doing Commander Clash and brewing Commander decks, that was pretty overwhelming for me, and I had a really hard time narrowing down my choices. So maybe pick a certain color uh in standard, for example, yeah. try to build a mono red aggro list, and then you have the amount of cards that could potentially be in your deck really narrow down and kind of go forward from there. And as you get used to the process, uh, thinking about curve considerations and making the card choices, expand out into multicolor decks and then eventually back into modern and legacy and kind of just build out into bigger card pools the more comfortable you get with the process. Yeah, I think that's a really good answer to this question, and and I think you're, I think you're right, and absolutely, and I would even go further to say to use this submitter's kind of logic, and kind of use that to build off of. You're already good at building a limited pool. You you express that you're comfortable with a limited pool. You kind of know you're you're not taking on this broad format of standard where you have multiple sets, a lot of cards. So just, I think what Seth is saying is absolutely true. It, you kind of just take that over from what you're doing in Limited to Constructed, and then you kind of just branch out from there. So you kind of narrow it down for yourself. I think it would make it a lot easier at first, and then once you get more comfortable, that's when you can kind of expand. What do you think, Richard? Uh, I kind of want your thought on this one. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, I don't brew much anymore. The only brewing I do is... Uh, commander <laughs> usually yeah. i just take existing decks and tweak them uh so i mean tweaking decks is the easy easy way right you start with the list which is kind of what the uh the submitter is already doing you, you take a list that exists and then you kind of just tweak it to your liking yep. and then uh, once you're, you're used to that you can just go start brewing uh, i like your suggestions of starting in a particular format and a particular color um but i mean just do what you like to do right it's it's a game uh, if you like brewing all kinds of weird decks, then just brew decks, right? Uh, if you don't like brewing decks, then just net deck. So I think just whatever you like doing. And uh, I think starting small and going bigger is the easiest way, uh, the smallest card pool to the, the larger card pool. But uh, maybe you're just someone who likes discovering cards, so start with the big pool. So it's really a personal question, and there's no real right or wrong way of doing it. So there, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. So, you know, just... Just do what you feel uh, is the most fun and what you're most comfortable with. Yeah, and, and don't feel too bad. I mean, Richard's huge brewing is how he can fit Gatekeeper of Malakir in a legacy. So and, and <laughs> just go off that. I, I'm making a, a, a new all Thalia deck here. <laughs> that's my new that's my new Four, rule. 12 Thalia. <laughs> it's just and all Thalia. Thalia dot deck. <laughs> Gonna have to get around the legend rule somehow, though. I don't know how I'm going to yeah. get more than two creatures. Mirror gallery. <laughs> So yeah, really good, really good questions. Thanks for sending those in. Really good answers. I think I think we kind of nailed them all there. We answered all of them. Is I think that's it. I think we covered everything. Is there anything out the door 
shameless plug for you, Richard. Please, everyone who's listening or goes on the site, buy the Annihilator t-shirt. They're really sweet. Oh, yeah. Really, we, really we sweet. We have an Annihilator 6 t-shirt yeah. available uh, for about nine more days. I think July 7th is when uh, we yeah. stop selling them. So uh, if you like Innistrad, if you like Emrakul, you like Spaghetti Monsters, check out the Annihilator 6 t-shirt. Yep. Seth already loves Emrakul, so that's a no-brainer. <laughs> what I need that, is a Thalia true. t-shirt. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's I need, the next I need, one. I need, to promote, next one. I need to promote my favorite card more. <laughs> I'm renaming the site, guys. MTGThalia.com. <laughs> no more fish. It's it's all Thalia all the time now. <laughs> Sounds good. I think that's a good place to leave this episode. We will be, ne- ba- we will be back next week with a bunch more spoilers, our takes on all the spoilers, and more Eldritch Moon. So... This is going to be the crew signing out.